Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, a podcast against shame. I hope you're well. It's a lot going on. It's December. Truly one of the most triggering months of the year for such a multitude of reasons. It is a difficult month for people who struggle with self-image and eating disorders and there's a lot of partying going on that's really difficult for introverts and people with social anxiety the diet fucking industry is already getting ready for all of us already early earlier than usual putting out the adverts about how we're going to have to lose the weight from the food that we haven't even eaten yet on christmas day we haven't even been able to enjoy our fucking dessert and our fucking turkey and potatoes with our friends and family before they are already telling us about intermittent fasting and starving ourselves so we can be beach body ready by next summer which is six months away also that's not a thing if you have a body at the beach you're beach fucking body ready but we know this just be careful Just be careful online. Know that these people are targeting you. It is the same old shit every year. If you are new to this, every single January, everyone jumps on the new year, new you thing, where they tell you, really, just new year, hopefully thinner you. And as I've been popping off all over social media, we have a new rise of the super skinny coming back. I want to be very clear when I remind you where that comes from. That comes from the fact that not only is fashion cyclical and trends get recycled again and again and again every 10 years, especially for women, they choose not only to tell us what to wear, but also what body type to have when we wear the newest temporary fad of bullshit clothing. So currently, post-pandemic, it just so happens that after all the factories had to shut down during COVID and fabric is much harder to come by for designers and fabric is much more expensive than it was before, it just so happens, I'm sure purely coincidentally, that the fashion is to charge the same, but for skirts and jumpers and jeans that are much less material, forcing us to be more exposed, forcing us according to them, to have to be thinner and for us to take up less space because their clothes take up less space on our bodies because they don't have the money for the fucking fabric. So because of that, they are happy to throw all of us down the fucking endless pipeline of hell that is an eating disorder. Right? I've said this many times in this podcast that only 30% of people with anorexia ever recover. It's such a fucking dangerous game to play with people's minds and they're doing it for a nonsense fucking fashion trend. They think our bodies are still trends. In 2023 almost, they still think our bodies are trends. They still think that we are so fucking gullible that they can say heroin chic is back and we'll believe them. 
heroin she came back unless we all say it is and we're not going to are we because we're not going to be starved in submission because we know that when we're hungry we can't fight for our rights we can't fight for our fucking freedom we can't fight for equality like all the things that we need we don't have the the fire in us if we're starving if we're taking pills and these fucking injections that people are now selling on their fucking podcasts and fucking fuck those people and i'm so sorry if you were listening to this if you hear about people selling diabetic medication for weight loss please please unfollow them unfollow them turn off their podcast unsubscribe uh get away from any magazines that are pushing this shit as safe it's not safe it might be just about safe in the short term but even then all my friends who've tried it nausea vomiting hardening of the stomach constipation pancreas problems spleen problems and if you are thinking about weight loss metabolic destruction these things work by just making you so unwell that you don't feel hungry, therefore you don't eat. It's no miracle weight loss. There's no such thing as a miracle weight loss product. They just make the starvation less painful for you. Now, almost inevitably, even if you do have an issue with insulin, this shit is really fucking hard on your system. But if you don't, then it starts to play with your blood sugar. And so inevitably, most people have to come off these injections because it's too much for their bodies to take when that happens all that weight that they'd lost that they took all those fucking risks for comes back on immediately and then some and then you have a destroyed metabolism which then means that you have to go on to take more diet products maybe even more of that injection even though it makes you sick this is how they get you they they destroy your body so that then you rely on them to maintain a certain weight it's all a fucking scam it is a misogynist, bullshit, fat phobic scam. I'm begging you to look out for this shit because it's everywhere. And I also urge you that even if you don't care about yourself, and that makes me really sad, but that's why I make this podcast so that we can start to care about ourselves. I urge you to also be aware of the fact that there is now a global shortage of this medication for actual diabetics who need it to save their lives. So if you are taking it and you don't need it to save your life, then I urge you to reconsider because we've all spent three years chatting about why it's important to wear masks for others, why it's important to get vaccinated or do lockdowns, etc. Do very extreme things for others. Please don't take away the life-saving medication for diabetics for something like weight loss that you feel like you need to do at speed in a panic as a quick fix because the fashion industry has changed its mind about what's hot and what's trendy sorry i didn't expect to talk about any of that but as soon as i start i can't stop it's like it's projectile hatred of the diet industry anyway moving on uh i can't even remember where i was uh december december is shit and hard i think that's where i was uh one of the final ways in which december can be incredibly triggering for people is when it comes to family co-workers but mostly family it's a really fucking hard time of year and it's a time of year that brings up a lot of the shit that we have to swallow because blood is thicker than water now i'm someone who personally doesn't subscribe to that i'm extremely rebellious in that way and i don't uh allow anyone to cross my boundaries regardless of how related i am to them how much dna we share i'm extremely extremely intense about boundaries um i have to be because i've struggled with my mental health for such a long time because i wasn't before 
So I thought the thing you might need most on this podcast this week is a boundary fucking expert. And that's why today's guest is so fucking amazing. Her name is Nedra Glover Tawab. And she is a therapist, a New York Times bestselling author, and a relationship expert. She has practiced relationship therapy for 15 years and is the founder and owner of the group therapy practice Kaleidoscope Counseling. And every day, she helps people create healthy relationships by teaching them how to implement boundaries. Her philosophy is that basically a lack of boundaries and assertiveness underlies most relationship issues. And she's so right. And her gift is helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and with other people. And the way she communicates is so clear that it makes... I mean, I felt like the biggest bumbling, most bumbling twat talking to her. Uh, I felt like I was just tripping over my own tongue compared to her. She's so, she's such a like straight shooter and a clear thinker. And she talks about very difficult things in a way that is so simple that you can't believe you didn't think that way all along. I found her incredibly liberating to talk to. And I reached out to you guys for questions that you had about boundaries and you almost broke my fucking Instagram with the amount that you sent in. So I do know that this is an episode you've been waiting for and looking forward to and I hope that we have delivered. I think she is such a phenomenal voice and I I love her dearly. She's also just a staggeringly beautiful human inside and out and I can't wait to hear if this was helpful. I can't wait to hear if this is something that you may be sent to someone else in your family who needs to learn about boundaries. Either someone needs to learn about your boundaries or their own. But for now, and sorry about all my ranting, (laughs) but also I'm not sorry because I'm fucking angry and we should all be angry and we should all stop this together and we will. But when it comes to boundaries, there is no greater voice than the excellent Nedra Glover Tawab. Nedra Glover Toab, welcome to Iway. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much. It's so nice to see you. Also, you are startlingly beautiful in person. Your your face is lighting up my day. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Um, so how are you? I am well, despite um waking up in the middle of the night uh with some thoughts and then getting back to sleep. I am well. Does that happen frequently? No. Um, I was just thinking about a work thing and I was pretty excited, you know, that kind of excitement you have when something big is coming up. So it doesn't happen often, but when it does, I embrace it because it is rare. A hundred percent. I mean, you've had quite a few years now with your work starting to reach so many people and instant bestseller books like you're everywhere currently and I feel very lucky to be able to get to chat to you and I feel like now is a really important time to have this specific conversation the one around boundaries and before we start I wanted to ask you what it was that made you so specifically interested in boundaries Mm, I would say my upbringing my family um people that I saw dealing with so many issues that were choices. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they recognize them as relationship choices. So I became heavily focused on self-help probably at an early age. Like when I was a teenager, I was reading like self-help books. Like, what is it with us? Like trying to figure out why we do certain things. And it wasn't until... 
I went to grad school and um, in a class, they suggested, if you're going to be a therapist, you should go to therapy. And I said, oh, maybe I should go to therapy. And I went and guess what came up? Boundaries. And, you know, it was just like, wow, why don't we talk about this? Like, this is something that the world needs to know. And once I started becoming a practicing therapist, it was an issue that many people have with a variety of things. Sometimes we think of it as a trauma thing, like, you know, sexual abuse or, you know, childhood issues, but really it's work burnout, it's friendships, it's it's in romantic relationships, social media, boundaries, issues are all around us in so many different ways. And what would you define as a huge question, but what would you define boundaries are? What would you personally describe them as to someone who's maybe new to this term or to someone who's been exposed to the fucking like out of control rise of sort of insta therapy, you know, sort mm-hmm. of meme therapeutic terms where we have this kind of terminology broken down into very sort of like um pithy, one like yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, you know, like the ter- the rise of the terminology of gaslighting, etc. Mm. And so I would love for you to explain what boundaries are to you. For me, boundaries are a path for me to feel safe in my relationships. It is not just what I say yes to or no to. It's also what I choose to do in my life. Like sometimes my boundary is not being in a relationship with a particular person or my boundary is not sharing more than I want someone to know about me. Or it could be going to bed early. It could be, you know, letting my friend know that, hey, I want to support you, but I can't come to this thing. What's another way for me to support you? It is so many things. It's all around me. I feel like each day we have the opportunity to choose how we want to show up in the world. And so often we allow the world to determine it for us. Like we can't control everything, but there are some things that we can control that we do not control. Like, you know, I think of, I mentioned sleep a little bit ago. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't get enough sleep. What time did you go to bed? (laughs) Like, isn't that within your control? Like to go to bed, put your phone down and, you know, snuggle up and, you know, have that bedtime routine unless you have sleep issues. Like there are so many things that we're just like, oh, The world is pulling my strings. And I think about, you know, how can we impact change in our lives? And it's it's with boundaries. Absolutely. And do you feel as though women, almost specifically women of an ethnic minority, do you feel as though we have the biggest struggle with boundaries because we're taught from a young age that that's not really for us? Mm. I would flip that to say, if we are having boundary issues with men, do they have bigger boundary issues than us? You know, I think about that sometimes that having an unhealthy boundary is a boundary issue. We think about, you know, crimes against women. We think about not having um, reciprocity in households. Those are boundary issues for men and women. I don't know if it's like women have these boundary issues as much as Women, for sure, have an issue with communicating boundaries. That's all I meant. That's what I meant is that the challenge upon us to have to Mm. say no, I feel like, lies traditionally more in the hands of women of like, you can't do that please stop doing that. I refuse this. Like the, the journey of learning how to set boundaries and say no has seemed to be more, more exhausting 
for the women mm-hmm. in my life than the men because there are more boundaries of ours that are overstepped before we mm-hmm. even have a chance to set them and even when we do set them they are still overstepped because consent is not something that is just uh sexually important and yes. so it's just I, I guess I'm just kind of trying to figure out where maybe most of your boundary work lies but I think it's also very important that you are mentioning the fact that the onus should be also on those who are constantly overstepping and not respecting other people's boundaries absolutely um I would say that more women talk about boundary issues for sure because Women are learning that we have a voice. We can use it. It is ladylike to speak up for yourself. It is ladylike to be assertive, to ask for the raise, to tell someone, no, we're having to recondition and reprogram ourselves around what being a feminist means, what what it means to be a woman in this world, because for so many you know, years, it has been women are this way. And if you say this, then this. And just now, are we able to say, "Mm, maybe that's not true. There is a way for me to be in this space and um, have some autonomy, be assertive. And it's not a competition of, I want to be like them, but it's like, I want to feel safe. I want to be comfortable. And to do that, there are some conversations that I will have to have. Yeah, I remember the first thing that my therapist ever said to me as like her first bit of feedback after I told her, you know, all of everything that was happening to me in my life that was making me unhappy. And she said, well, darling, a doormat is already lying down before people wipe their feet all over it. And I was like, mm. Jesus fucking Christ. Mm. <laughs> that, was a, that was a shot right to the heart. But it, as blunt as it was, it turned out to be the advice that would go on to change the rest of my life because I realised that there was a part of me that was just expecting people to intuitively understand where my barriers and my boundaries and my limitations were. You know, I expected others to always just treat me as I treated them and that is just not always the human condition you know I'm very careful around other people and I'm very very empathetic and I'm very preemptive to their needs and I have expected partners and friends and colleagues to be the same and sometimes you just have to lay down the fucking law and Mm -hmm. and I was able to do that I I practiced like she and I devised a year of no like a year of saying no to anything I wanted to say, even if you want to cancel last minute, you know, you were talking about the fact that these boundaries that we set can exist in every single like minor area of our lives. I think it's also important to say that just because you've set a boundary one day, that doesn't have to become your boundary forever. Shit changes, our mood changes, our health changes. That boundary is malleable. Your job is just to make sure that you communicate it clearly and as fairly as possible. Yeah. And that we let people know when our boundaries have changed. That's a wonderful Mm -hmm. point. Um, From year to year, I hope I'm not the exact same person. I hope I could think about myself last year at this time and be like, oh, you know what? My hair was different. I thought this way about this thing. This has shifted. Mm -hmm. So, of course, my boundaries will need to change with that. I'm not going to have the same boundaries forever. And if you do, that's probably problematic too. Like if you're like a hard no on this forever, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, so you'll, you'll never help your friend with anything ever. (laughs) (laughs) That you're not a nice friend. No. Like, you, you have to re It's on this particular day at this particular time that you said no. It's not a forever no to everything. It's like, 
I have to evaluate my life before I can issue the yes. And at this point in time, it is a no. And perhaps for certain people, it's always a no. But you have the power to regulate what is working for you and what isn't at a certain time. I am... I set about like I remember the first time I ever set a firm boundary with a friend and it was really wasn't that long ago it's like maybe seven or eight years ago where I finally let go of my fear of abandonment because I think that is part of why you know you talk about this in your book like like there is a fear of abandonment or being shunned like in any way to paraphrase uh, because you have set that boundary like a fear of rejection and so I mm-hmm. had that and uh, I decided to risk it for a chocolate biscuit and just tell the truth and be integral to myself and I said um, she was she was like an hour late at first and then it became two hours late and then it became Mm. three hours late and she was like I'm just having this catastrophic day and for five hours late and I was like Jesus Christ like you didn't assume that I would have other plans like it was just okay and and she'd gotten away with that her whole life because she's funny and charming and so Mm -hmm. people just you know kind of after a while sometimes we just go oh that's this person Mm -hmm. you know that you know what they're like they're always late you know you always have to tell them the airport like the flight time five hours earlier than it actually is and I just thought oh I don't want to carry on a friendship like this so I said to her I was like you do not have to be an on-time person but or someone who lets people know in advance when you're going to be incredibly late, but I can't be friends with someone like that. So mm. I'm going to off invite you to change your behavior towards me and offer me the respect of a heads up about your tardiness and give me the opportunity to make my own other plans rather than waste my whole day. But the only way we can continue a friendship is if you do that. So I'm not forcing you to change. I'm just telling you that this is my boundary. And if you can meet me at it, then we can be friends. And it went great. It went great. And we're still friends now and we're really close. And she's never been more than 15 minutes late since. (laughs) Oh, wow. I have a really late friend and we mostly do like group activities together with other people and often we forget that she's even coming (laughs) it's like when she comes it's a surprise it's like oh yeah (laughs) this is like we've already started we've gone on to to do the thing and (laughs) (laughs) you're already on dessert (laughs) yeah it's like oh okay well have a seat yeah you you can't plan anything in particular because it's like uh, okay we can't do anything one-on-one so let's do something like in this group setting and you can you know you can live in your time zone yeah I think that's easier in a group but when it's one-on-one that's fucking fucked up and I I and I uh struggle with a change in um schedule I struggle with surprises I struggle with anything new and sudden so I need to know exactly what is happening or what my day looks like it's uh I guess it's just how my brain is wired and so it really fucking stresses me out when things change and therefore I just have to be open with people and nobody has to be my friend Mm -hmm. and that's the important thing is that I make that decision of like it's always okay to walk away Mm -hmm. What you can't do is try and force people to change. It's inappropriate. Yeah, that's one of our biggest hangups as humans is we feel like, oh my gosh, this person has a problem and they need to change it for me to be in a relationship with them. And it's like, they really don't have to. If you don't like the behavior, there are other relationships. You can even have this relationship and maybe not see them as frequently, or you may need to end it. 
but you can't make them an on-time person. Like you said, you can present the issue, offer the opportunity for them to meet you where you are. And if they don't want to, then it's like, you know, you're a wonderful person and I'll say happy birthday to you on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I, I feel like in over the course of the pandemic, more people were kind of forced to learn their boundaries. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? We had a mm-hmm. we had a break from the people who overstep our boundaries and that was really nice. And mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. didn't some people obviously were so sad that they couldn't go home for the holidays. Some people were really fucking grateful and then questioning themselves, why am I so grateful to not go home and see my family? What are the issues I have with my family? People went through loads of breakups. People had more of a sense of like, fuck, time could be running out. You know, life is precious. So I'm gonna start mm-hmm. doing what I actually want. And they we had the great giant quitting in America and all over the world where people were just like fuck this if I can't afford the rent here and I have to work a crazy job to be able to afford this rent then I'm going to move somewhere out into the sort of countryside that's much cheaper and get a a, a, a lesser paid but better quality of life job like that we have seen a huge shift in the United States and the world and and I wonder if you've seen that reflected in your practice that there has been a big big overhaul and wake up around the concept of boundaries. Yeah, for sure. In a pandemic, that first holiday season, I saw a lot of people feeling the relief of, "Ah, can't come home. There's COVID. Oh, so sad. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, I'm so sad. I can't see all the people I don't want to see. But, you know, that that second year, it was a little tougher because it's like, oh, my gosh, I have to go back. And I had a conversation with a few of my clients like, actually, you don't <laughs> So like now that you have that information of, whoa, I really don't like to do this thing on the holidays. You can continue to not do it. Going back is a choice. Um, and, and maybe you do go back, but it looks different. Right. It's it's with a conversation before the holiday around certain things around, you know, the people that show up like those sort of things. But, yeah, it certainly came up because life became more precious. We saw people dying, whether in the news or in our own personal lives. And we're like, oh, my gosh, there are certain relationships that matter to me and there are certain relationships that don't. For me in the pandemic, I noticed I have less time because I'm doing everything from home, working out, working, everything at home, homeschool, all of the things. So I don't have time for relationships that aren't important. All of the associateships that I had and the acquaintances, it kind of fell really to the wayside because my time was more limited and I wanted to spend it focused on those relationships that really matter to me. So hopefully one of the things that we walked away from was there are relationships where we can really go deep and those require our focus. Okay. So you've dropped a big old bomb there, right? Of maybe you don't have to go home. Can we delve a little bit further into that? I'm someone who cut off the vast, vast, vast majority of my family uh, fucking hell 10 years ago now. Mm. And that was because I tried it with boundaries, tried it with boundaries. Those boundaries were repeatedly not met. And so Mm. then after a year of trying to set those boundaries, I was like, well, fuck this then because YOLO. And I, uh, I said goodbye to a lot of people and I haven't yet looked back. I don't know how long that will last, but I'm personally happier for it. But not everyone's like that and not everyone needs to cut off 
family members uh for some people it's necessary for others it isn't but i think some people are like they don't know how to set that middle ground boundary so when you say something like well maybe you just don't go back home how does one master that because i know i have so many friends who would like to know the answer to that question because <laughs> well, that could be it- that's like throwing a nuclear bomb sometimes on a situation if you say no to that you know, the, the beautiful thing about adulthood is you get to create it. I think childhood is all about living in someone else's existence. And there is this freedom that happens when you become an adult and you can legally make your own decisions. And then you just become this autonomous person. In our relationships, we have to remember that we're an adult. You know, with your parents, with your siblings, with your extended family, you're an adult. What does that mean? You get to make the decisions for your life now, in your relationships, on your holidays, who you want to talk to, who you want to hug and not hug. Like all of that is up to you for the rest of your life. That will create some really uncomfortable conversations when your family's not on board with that because. You know, some parents is once a child, always a child. <laughs> like I, I have to forever tell you what to do because you're my child. But parents, they can respect other adults. They work with other adults. They're not treating them like children. They engage with other adults. So they can have those relationships with adults that are respectful. They're just not doing it with you. Sometimes that is, you know, because we haven't advocated for that. We're still reverting back to, okay, I'll come because you don't want to have that difficult conversation. So you did a very brave thing and started the conversations. And then you were able to see, oh, wait, they won't respect the boundary. Many of us, we aren't having the conversation. We are being passive aggressive or we're being passive or, you know, we're just not doing anything. And so in those instances, our families don't even know that we don't want to come home. They don't even know that we don't like to do certain things or we don't like certain things said to us because we're suffering, not in silence. We're telling our friends, we're telling our therapists, we're telling all of these people, except for the people who really need that information to change the relationship. So then talk me through, would you would you make an excuse and lie about no. why you can't come back? Okay. I didn't, I thought you were going to say that. Uh, <laughs> was like, that was a real hard, fast no. Uh, so then alternatively, uh, you know, I think there's a lot about my friends, although I know it's also a very difficult conversation to have. Like I've got a few friends who get like body shamed when they go home by mm-hmm. aunts, by uncles, sometimes by their own mother and father. Um, uh, and they dread going back and they even like stop eating properly for the few weeks before the holidays. And that it just makes me feel really, really sad and depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, with those people, do you call and say, I don't want to come and this is why. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when they say, okay, well then we will address those things and make sure that those things like don't happen. That's the best case scenario. Sometimes you might get gaslit or told just to like, you know, take a joke or lighten up or Mm -hmm. respect your elders. But sometimes someone might say, okay, well, we'll make sure that auntie this doesn't fat shame you or this person doesn't comment on the fact that you don't have children yet. Um, We will be respectful of you sometimes a part of your body might still just be like uncomfortable with going. Mm. What do you do in that scenario? 
Sorry to add like 45 nuances in no, there. But... No, I think it takes practice to get to the point of being able to explain yourself when you're saying something really hard. The first step might just be saying, I'm not coming home without the explanation. If you feel comfortable giving an explanation, it could be another sentence like, I don't think it's good for my mental health. If you feel like you can say those two things, maybe you can add another layer and say, when I'm around family, there's a lot of body shaming and it causes me to have issues, not just when I'm visiting, but also before even thinking about the visit. So I think there's a few different ways to approach it. One, not coming home. That's one option. Two, you can say it's not good for me. That's the whole explanation. Three, add to it. Sometimes, especially if you're in a family where they're disputing your reason. Oh, no, that's not a reason. You you need to toughen up. That person is just joking. They won't, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Giving them too much of an explanation isn't always helpful because mm. what they will try to do is talk you out of what you're thinking and you're already not in a great place to have to have this conversation. So we don't want to cause further harm by talking to someone who's going to say a ton of harmful things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so saying to that person, hey, here's my reason, and they they can't really process that, it might be just you know the best thing for you to say, I'm not coming home. You know, sometimes when I talk to my own family, it's very short. Like, you know, hey, can your kids stay here? It's like, no. (laughs) I don't have to. I don't want to go through everything in your life that that would make me say no, because then, you know, it's like, well, change this and change this and change it. We don't have to do that. It's just a no. I don't want you to. I don't want you to say like, well, I'll do this. It's still no. I I probably have a lot of reasons for my no. So I don't want to hyper focus on this one thing or these three things. There are several reasons that I've come to the conclusion of this will not work for me. Yeah, it's funny you say that. And also like I detect a lot of nonviolent like communication in the way that you worded your original your original kind of three points of like I don't want to it's going to be bad for me and this is what I experience and it impacts me this way before and afterwards right mm-hmm. now that is the kind of like that is the foundation of, of non-violent communication if you're not going you do this you do that you're gonna do this it's like because then you're kind of pointing at someone else and then it, it there's a possibility that it can like raise their defenses if you make it all from your personal experience you kind of like force someone or at least like heavily invite them to empathize with you because they're looking at it from your lens from your perspective or you go through this and something that's happening in my house is making you experience this it's more likely to create an actual conversation rather than a a fight Mm -hmm. do you agree Mm -hmm. it's so important in the way that you word it and I learned that like at 30 (laughs) I was very like finger pointing and now I've learned to be more like more careful to explain exactly how it is they're making me feel so they can clearly work from somewhere well I think the biggest thing about it is when we say you we're giving them back the power to say that they're going to do something Mm -hmm. 
well, I didn't do that. Well, it meant this. And it's like, okay, so now I'm, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> like, so for eight years, this has happened. And now you're telling me it's inaccurate. You know, I think we put ourselves in these situations where it's like, this is now causing further harm. You went into this situation with, oh my gosh, my family is always asking me about dating and getting married. Now your family has taken you to, you don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, whoa, now you have more issues. Right. So we really have to think about the people that we're talking to. So Mm -hmm. any communication style, you know, any communication method, it works best based on the person. (laughs) <laughs> you know, there, there are some people who can communicate well via text. There are others never. So it's, it's really hard to say, you know, for all family. It's like, think about your family. You know your mom, you know your sisters and brothers. What will they say if you say this? Well, this is how you need to deliver it. I love that. Keep it clean, keep it simple and keep it integral to you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Some people like to deep clean every Saturday morning. I prefer to spend a few minutes every day keeping things fresh with Lysol. Lysol's all-purpose cleaner cleans and kills 99.9% of viruses and bacteria. It can be used on hard, non-porous surfaces like the kitchen, bathroom, and other areas in your home. (sighs) Don't just clean. Lysol clean. I'm uh, I'm quite big on, uh, I have a very selfish boundary that I almost feel like ashamed to admit to, but I feel like I'm just going to say it so that anyone else out there who might have an equally selfish boundary knows maybe not they're doing the right thing, but that they're not alone. Um, but I don't ever want to be a godmother, ever. Mm. I also don't want to be a bridesmaid or a maid mm-hmm. of honor. I don't want anything to do with any of these things. I 
it's not my vibe it's not of my interest i it feels like uh emotional <laughs> uh labor that is too torturous for me personally i don't like big parties i don't like big groups i don't like planning uh, i'm not very good with children and i don't want the impending like terrifying responsibility of all of that uh, as someone who's chosen not to have children themselves um and so <laughs> I've said a blanket no to everyone on all of those accounts mm-hmm. and instead mm-hmm. say that I will make vast contributions in other ways. You know, like, for example, I'll take care of my friend who's the mum who's had the baby and I'll buy her nice things and take her away and do like give her treats and buy her massages. But mm-hmm. I can't take this responsibility on. Mm-hmm. Am I a fucking monster? Absolutely not. I also have not been a bridesmaid or a maid of honor. So you are in good company with this one. In college, I had a friend, um, a childhood friend ask me to be her at her wedding. And I was like, "Um, I can't. Um, (laughs) But I will. I was there. You know, I bought her a gift with my little college money. You know, I, I did what I could at the time. But Like you mentioned, I didn't want that responsibility at the time. I could not handle it. And the really interesting thing is most of my friends who are married, um, they got married in very unconventional ways. So it always worked out. They're like, go into the courthouse. Oh, uh, we just eloped or whatever it is. It's like, oh, great. This is... like wow like you guys make it so easy we're so equally yoked how did we do this (laughs) (laughs) so you know I think your boundaries are your boundaries and it's okay to say I don't want to be a godparent I don't want to be um in a wedding I want to support you in whatever ways possible I think we have those things about ourselves I often tell people I don't like company like don't drop by my house and try to watch like house of dragons with me or it's like i don't want to watch it by myself you know it's not (laughs) (laughs) or the people in my house i'm not like hey who's gonna watch tv with me it's like it's a tv it's an individual you know so i say this to people and people are like oh my gosh like you don't like company it's like if i'm having a gathering but i don't want you to just come over and chill not really that's just my thing though we all have those things so it doesn't make us mean people. It just makes us people. And I think it's very genuine of us to express that and disingenuous when we're the bridesmaid and we're complaining the whole time or we're the godparent and we're not taking care of our duties or we have these people at our house and we're angry the whole visit because we don't want them there. Isn't it really self-honoring to say there are other ways that I want to show up in this relationship with you? And Mm -hmm. this is perhaps not one of the ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I paid for my friend to have a night nurse instead. I was like, I'll never be a godmother, but I will make sure you sleep when you need Uh. it the most. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I um, have like so many fucking questions from the audience that uh, I need you to come back about 14 times. Is that cool? (laughs) Or are you going to set your boundary? (laughs) We'll see, we'll see. Exactly. Some of these may overlap. (laughs) absolutely um but it almost like broke our instagram uh so this is clearly just the hottest topic of all time um okay so uh one of the ones that stood out to me first and foremost was if you're still financially dependent on toxic people 
How can mm. you still set boundaries? Mm. The biggest boundary here is going to be a self-boundary. We can gain our freedom when we gain our autonomy. And so if you are dependent on toxic people, the best thing is to move towards independence because you cannot gain your freedom where you're being controlled. How much power can you have if you have to go to this person and say, can I, will you? There has to be some autonomy. So, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that is in relationships where women are disempowered or where maybe a man is disempowered financially. Mm -hmm. It is in family relationships when children are still dependent on their parents to help with college or these different things that to really have that freedom, you have to gain autonomy. So your goals will be towards yourself and really figuring out some ways to increase your income and become more stable. Yeah, this person's kind of more looking to treat the symptom, whereas you're encouraging to go after the cause. Mm -hmm. I think that's really, really vital. Someone else has written, as a people pleaser, how do I figure out my boundaries? I'm not used to thinking about me. Mm. I would challenge that. I think human beings are probably geared towards people pleasing, and it's not a bad thing. We should be conscious of other people in the world. You do think about yourself, you just neglect yourself. So it's not that, oh my gosh, I don't know what I want. You just bypass it because you're thinking about what this other person wants. So I would say, take some time with yourself to say, what do I actually want in this situation? It's, you know, it's like when people are ordering and everybody's like, what do you want? What do you want? And I don't know what I want. What, what don't you want? Are you tired of tacos? Are you tired of, you know, really go through that checklist of, okay, so this is what I likely want in this situation. Instead of allowing people to decide first, I think that person it's not that they don't know their needs. They need to tune in to when their need is coming up. Okay. And then what's the next step after after noticing those needs and finding those needs? Is it just like slowly communicating them? And then also, I guess, like taking small steps to, you know, like I, I found just in case that sounds daunting for someone, you know, who's gone from zero, you know, to this, uh, in my year of no, I found uh, small incremental steps very helpful. So I didn't just like immediately step into my like peak R-E-S-P-E-C-T, like which I would have loved mm-hmm. to in the fantasy I would have. But it started off with a like a, the coffee shop. If my order came out wrong, the old me, especially because I'm British, would have just been like, oh, well, best not to, best not to, just, you know, say anything. She didn't want to be troubled or difficult and they might piss in your next coffee uh but I Mm. instead took the piss risk and would say I'm so sorry but this isn't actually what I ordered can I can I please have the thing that I actually paid for and that felt I know that probably sounds a bit pathetic to someone as empowered and, and experienced as yourself but for me that was like a huge victory and then I elevated it from there just like little things where I felt like someone had handed me something that wasn't correct and it was my opportunity to reject something uh 
if it didn't meet my needs. And that slowly became someone kissed me in a way that I didn't like. And rather than be like, oh, I don't want to embarrass them or hurt their feelings. I was like, I'm not enjoying their kiss. And I bet they would want me to enjoy the kiss. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you how I prefer to be kissed? And maybe we can find a middle ground, like just like steps like that. And it moves up to sex and it moves up to jobs and it moves up to, it, it became almost addictive. Mm-hmm. And I then su- suddenly c- c- can't hold in any of my feelings about my boundaries, but it's okay to take kind of like little micro menial steps. Would you agree? Absolutely. Start small, start where you are, start where you feel comfortable. I think we think about it as this big thing we have to do. And it is those small things like, you know, correcting someone when your order is messed up or saying to someone who you know you can set a boundary with like I actually don't want to do that like doing it until you feel more confident doing it more often it certainly takes practice um I'm I'm still learning new areas where I need boundaries because I haven't experienced everything in the world and then things come up and I'm like oh my gosh I've overcommitted I didn't think this would be too much, but okay. So now let me set this new boundary. So it's like this ongoing process of practice. It's not like you get to this point, like it's a video game and it's like all boundaries achieved. We won. We're taking over Legoland. It's like, no, (laughs) it's like there is something else after this. I don't know what that thing is, but there may be this new thing that happens where I need to practice this this new skill I will have to notice my discomfort like oh I'm starting to feel anxious yeah I'm starting to feel like stomach is hurting even thinking about going to this thing you know like all of these sort of things it's like um you know what I don't like being around 10,000 people Mm -hmm. I didn't know that about myself last week I'm just discovering that so there are things in life where we're continuously learning what our boundaries are yeah. Yeah. I never speak in crowds because I'm terrified of crowds. So I don't mm. tend to go to those and people make me feel bad because I'm a, an advocate and I'm just like, I just can't do it. You're not going to get the best out of me. You're going to get a fucking very mentally unstable version of me if that happens, mm. if we push me out of my comfort zone. Um, I was thinking just then that um, Maisie Hill set one of the best boundaries I've heard. I mean, she literally set it with me and she sets it with everyone else. But um, but. I found it very inspiring. Uh, She is an expert on periods. She's written a lot about women's periods or people's periods rather. And she, uh, she talks about the fact that she knows now from her cycle exactly when she's at her most productive, when she's her least productive, when she's just about to get her period and she knows she's going to have like a hellish few days. So she plans her schedule around her cycle. And she just, there are certain days where she knows her brain is going to be absolutely fucked because she's been charting her period for like a year. And she's like, nope, it's going to be too hard for me to work on those days. And so you'll try and get availability with her. And she's really busy and she has those days available. And she's still just like, no, I'm sorry, that's a bad time in my menstrual cycle. And the reason why that's so extra revolutionary to me is because there's a lot of shame around periods, right? Especially for women, we're told that that's why, you know, for a long time, it was like why we shouldn't be hired because our periods mean that we can't work as hard as men or we need a few days where we're less able, like we have shame around like the fact that we get called crazy because of our hormonal shift during our periods. So to even admit that actually, you know, my period is holding me back and that's okay and that doesn't make me weak or bad, 
that's mm-hmm. just how it is that changed my life and now I've started to do the same but just I was just bringing up an example that I thought you might like that I think everyone could find helpful of like don't find shame in your like don't feel shame about your needs because you, acknowledging them is going to help you be your absolute best when you are at peak vitality mm, I love that as a person who notices like oh my mood is off what's today oh my gosh I just ovulated <laughs> like I noticed that dip in like my desire to be around people it's like mm-hmm. if one more person does anything else I'm like escaping to another planet (laughs) (laughs) I just stuck a bed in our home office because I'm like great this is going to be my evil cave during my period and I have like four hot water bottles in here I have a mini fridge I've just ordered a microwave it's like I am planning to like like apocalypse hole up here for three days every single month because I just yeah. like I live with a lot of guys uh roommates and a boyfriend and dogs and I'm just like no everyone has to fuck off otherwise I'm gonna go to jail for murder and that's not fair on me <laughs> right so, right so yeah because yeah you know better you know your cycles you're like you know what I can plan around this yeah, yeah I'm I, damn I straight. A, that is one of the most amazing things I've heard in a while to be able to conduct your life based on your mood. And it's so interesting because some people would say, well, there's a medication for it or there's a this. And it's like, no, there's an honoring what the cycle is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. That is what I will do. That is the boundary that I will honor this moment in time by not going to work or or doing these social things when I know I am not at my best. Whoa, that's amazing. Yeah, you should, her book is called Period Power. You might, you might enjoy it. It came out a few years before your also excellent book. Lots of books for everyone to go and read today. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Okay, so someone said, when do boundaries become selfish in a toxic way? Boundaries, I don't think, become selfish in a toxic way. I think controlling others can become selfish and toxic. And and that's sometimes what we label as boundaries. So if you were to say to your friends, you know, don't ever ask me to be in your wedding, and then you get really upset when they do it, it's like, well, they can ask you, it's, it's your job to say, hey, like, I love you deeply. There are so many ways I want to support you. This is, you know, this is not something that I want to do, but, uh, you know, let me know how else I can help. So I, I think when you try to control another person's actions, when you try to get them to 
change, you know, for you, for the relationship, that is when it becomes a little bit selfish. But I wouldn't necessarily consider that a boundary because that's really controlling someone else's behavior. I think about that sometimes with substance misuse, like when people are using substances and we're like, they need to stop using drugs. It's like, you know, maybe it's not good for them. It's not great for their health, but we also can't make them. You know, you can take their drugs. You cannot give them money. If people want to do it, they'll find a way, right? So we can't make people do things. We can only control our part in that interaction, which is I will not watch it. I will not give you any, you know, money to do it, but I I can't make you not doing it. Do it. Maybe not having a relationship with me would be enough to motivate you, but I cannot make you do anything. When we start trying to control people, we are now being selfish. And I wouldn't even call that a boundary. I would say that that is controlling when we are trying to take over what they can do in their lives. Right. But there is a there's a a gray area there. Right. There's like a thin line because. I think you should be allowed to like help someone you love like if it's your child or your best friend or your lover and you live with them and you can see that they're in a loop of self-harm I think it's also important to make sure that no one you know like people tend to not look for the nuance right and so I just want to make sure that we expand further into that of like you can still try to reach out to offer someone Mm -hmm. to invite someone to make some changes and help them find resources and you can explain to them why you feel like there's a happier and better way for them to live a long and good life it's just about not trying to force them into something not trying to emotionally blackmail them into that thing you know because I think it's very hard for any parent who's maybe listening you know who's got like a kid with a substance abuse to be like right well then I'm going to remove myself from you I totally understand and agree with your logic fundamentally I'm just saying that like where's the middle ground there for when you know you could help someone but you also don't want to overstep the boundary of someone who's in like rapid self-destruct Yeah, I would say always help, but don't control. So help is I love you and this is how I can show up because I love you. So even, you know, we mentioned that earlier with you and your friend and you getting the night nurse. I can't do this, but I can do this. Mm -hmm. You can't control your friend, but these are the ways that I want to help you, whether a problem, a person has a, a celebration or they have a problematic behavior. This is how I can help you. So it's not, I won't help you. My boundary is not to help. No, that's not a boundary. Helping is a part of what we do in relationships. To be in relationships, hopefully people don't abandon us when we start to do you know, difficult things, that there is some level of support and care. I will say that even with that, there has to be this idea that I can't control this person's behavior. I can control how I help. That's what you can control. You can't control what they can do. You can only control what you can do. These are the ways I'm willing to show up and help you as your parent, as your friend, as your partner. This is how I can help. I can't make you do anything, but I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I want to circle back to the family uh, boundary setting because uh, we had so, so many questions specifically interestingly about weight 
and mm. body image. So mm-hmm. many people terrified of being body shamed by their family. I'd say the vast majority of questions were around that. Someone said, do you have any tips on dealing with the fallout of setting boundaries with families still obsessed with diet culture? Because we got to the how you uh, avoid being there. But what happens when they get mad at you? Mm. What do you, how does someone cope with that? Because that's not easy. It's not easy at all because you're really watching a person deal with their stuff with no healing. You know, to to watch someone self-destruct in a way that's harmful for them to be in this mindset of I must do this thing. It is it is hard to watch. And I think you are grieving two things. You are grieving not only this shift in the relationship, but you're also watching this person that you love not be able to get well in certain ways. And for that, I would say, I think therapy is a wonderful support for you to process things as they come up. I also think that a lot of the work will be you tuning into how hard it is to change. I think sometimes we forget that when we get to the point of changing, it's like we quickly forget how hard it was for us to get here. It's like, Mm. "Ah, I don't even remember the process. It's like, you're 40. It took you 35 years to get to this point. So this person is just now coming to understand your boundary. They don't have, you know, maybe the tools or the capacity to deal with it in the same way that you have. So I would say first, compassion. Second, making sure that you're taking care of yourself in this process of grieving a relationship with someone who's not ready to change yet or who can't accept that you're changing i also think it's important to consider that it's very unlikely when someone keeps commenting on your body that it's coming just from a place of spite or Mm -hmm. just it's 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 either coming most often from a place of their own insecurity uh either around you or themselves most often all our insecurity really starts with the self right so they're so busy obsessing over what goes in their mouths and how they look and how other people perceive them that they project that same shit onto you Mm -hmm. um and then from some people it really does come from a place of they think that this is a form of love them them being concerned about you that's why we refer to it as concern trolling online right they're that they they genuinely think that they're helping you by pointing out to you something that you already fucking know about your body whether you are underweight or quote unquote you know overweight they they aren't do that they don't know we come from a different generation where you know this isn't normalized for us the way it was normalized for them so you are holding up a mirror to them in that moment Uh, in which they are having to see themselves and then maybe examine their own like trauma around body image. Mm. A lot of my friends who are being shamed by their mothers in particular, their mothers have had eating disorders for a majority Mm. of their lives. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. so try to take a deep breath and have some patience, have some empathy and maybe say, I'm not coming back this year, but I think it would be great if you do some work on this to identify why you feel the need to do this to me. And then Mm -hmm. I'll come back next year. And I think we'll have a better time. Mm. What do you think about that? I I think that's great. That also I'm reminded as you say that we can set boundaries, but we cannot do other people's healing work for Mm -hmm. them. There is no boundary that you could set with a person that's going to save them from their healing. And it sounds like in that sort of generational 
dynamic where the parent has body image issues and they're trying to pass that on to their child or they've been successful and the child recognizes, hey, this isn't my stuff. Um, You can't do your parents healing. And I think sometimes when we're setting those boundaries, that's what we're trying to do. Like I'm doing the work, you got to go do the work too. And it's like, you know, healing is personal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no totally yeah, I think just a light yeah, suggestion of like yeah. go away deal with your own shit that you're bleeding out onto me yeah notice just noticing aloud like that really sounds like your stuff that's not my stuff I think that's a powerful statement that's not my stuff I don't have an issue with my body I've said that to people um I don't have an issue with my stomach I don't have an issue with my butt <laughs> yeah it's interesting that you would say that you know, like mm-hmm. those sort of things really, really do move the the needle in terms of you can think it, but you can't say it. You know, it's just like we teach kids, like you cannot say everything you think. Many adults need to still practice that. Yeah. I have a big one, which is how to stick to boundaries with a parent when that means your kids lose out on seeing their grandparent. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. There is a lot of guilt for that, for sure, because you probably see your friends with their children going to grandparents. And that is a very uncomfortable boundary to set. But I would venture to say when someone gets to a point of setting it, it's probably a very important safety precaution, not just, oh, my gosh, they let them eat sugar. There could be some abuse there could be a lot of things that you experience that you don't want your children to experience. And sending your kids around unchanged, hurtful, um, abusive family members is not a good thing. It really perpetuates a lot of family issues. And so I think that person is very brave to say, I'm not going to ignore this. This is something that's big enough that it needs to be addressed. And again, it's not saying to this other person, hey, you got to go do your work. And it's like, hey, I see where you are. And this is a choice that I have to make because nothing has changed with you. And my role as a parent is to protect my children. And, And that is why, you know, this parent is making that decision. I think it's a very tough one. And I think at some point, you know, it would be appropriate to talk to your kids about, you know, when your kids get older, if they have questions, sometimes, you know, kids move on in life. They don't even have questions. Maybe you tell them when they're, you know, teenagers are an adult, but, you know, just because someone wants to have a relationship with your children doesn't mean that they should have a relationship with your children. Your primary role as a parent is to provide safety and support and setting a hard boundary like that, I would say is probably both. Yeah. And it's, there's like a sub layer of like tricky nuance there in that I found a lot of my friends who are having kids are shocked that their parents are treating the grandchild so much better than they treated them and have Mm -hmm. learned so much now and are much more careful and they've learned a bit more about mental health. And so there's this like burning resentment in them that it's like where the fuck was this where was this patience where was this Mm -hmm. empathy where was this care you know Mm -hmm. that the the parents just didn't have they're older their lives are slower and less stressful now than they were maybe when you were younger and they're maybe in a better headspace and you know uh, I heard someone say and I maybe someone needs to verify this uh, that 
some of the first cells that die in your brain when you get old are the ones that kind of contain the anxiety. And so maybe they're coming from a place of less of their own mental um, imbalance when they're now dealing with your baby. And so that's fucking hard to believe will happen or it's fucking hard to swallow for some people, you know, yeah. that, that they're seeing their parent be the parent that they always wanted, but it's to their child. It's hugely that is, painful. That is hard to swallow. And I think also what the question asker mentioned, uh, the, the idea that the parent is not doing better or treating the child better is also, you know, pretty challenging. I think, you know, when you have kids, there will be these moments where you sort of process your childhood, you process your stuff, and you may have to re-envision what that relationship looks like with your parents because it's not just you anymore. It's also your kids, and there's a lot to think about and unpack. And for those folks who feel resentful, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for a conversation to just notice aloud what you see. You know, I can't mm -hmm. help but feel some sort of way when I see you with my kids and I see you much more um, calm and you listen and you play. I love to see it, but it also hurts me. Right. Just communicating at the end of the day. Well, then, look, finally, a big question that we've kind of touched on already, but I think it'd be a nice way to just like round it off is when it comes to conflict or walking away. You know, conflict is in confronting the issue, talking about the issue or just walking away altogether. I know that you've expressed this a lot throughout all of your work, but let's just kind of break it down in a way, you know, it's like end of the year, new year, fresh start. It might be good for people to have this advice. Like, when do you know uh, when it's time to not bother with the conflict? Because it takes a lot from you. It's a lot of emotional labor. It's a lot of stress sometimes for you to have to even confront that person when do you make that decision that actually, fuck, this is just isn't worth it? I think when you no longer want a relationship, you don't have to do the emotional labor. It makes sense to me when I want to stay in a relationship with someone where I have a difficult conversation and I'm like, okay, this is going to be hard. I'm going to say it. But when I don't even want to be in a relationship anymore, oh my gosh, I'm like, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no conversation at it doesn't matter I don't even want to be in a relationship anymore there's nothing really to talk about so what's interesting about that right is that we have this like huge cultural conversation in the last five years about ghosting right mm -hmm. I'm sure you're very familiar with it and people mm -hmm. just kind of start to like drift away from other people and that's because they no longer wish to be in a relationship with those people now some of my friends I I'm personally as anti-ghosting as I can be now that I'm older and I just feel like it makes people feel insane when you don't tell them anything. Um, okay. But at the same time, I have friends who would like to distance themselves from uh, an aunt or a friend or a colleague and they don't really want to see them ever again or speak to them ever again. Mm -hmm. And they feel like they should still tell that person why and have the big hard conversation. And my personal opinion on that is like why because then you're going to open it up and then like you're sure you don't want to see them again you are sick of them maybe you find them boring maybe they just don't stimulate the person that you've become now they're then going to take that as you are giving them homework potentially to go and do and they can come back and have and try and improve on those things and then you kind of feel like you have to honor that and honor their effort and then try again so just leave it 
Just mm. leave it alone. If you aren't interested in having a relationship with that person, fundamentally, regardless of what they're going to do differently, then don't bother. Like, I, I, But then maybe that's just shitty and selfish because then I that person just, doesn't get the explanation. You just made a wonderful statement that I think is not ghosting. It is a beautiful middle ground. I'm not interested in having a relationship with you anymore. Yeah. That's the whole sentence. That is perhaps all we need to say is not a conversation. Now, some people, why? Okay. Um, you can say, I don't, you know, I, I recently, earlier this year, ended a relationship with a very similar situ- uh, statement where I said, you know, this relationship is not good for me. I doubt if it is good for you. It seems like something we should be doing, but I'm not interested in having this relationship anymore. My quality of relationships at this point, they are honest, they are mutual, they are loving and supportive, and this is not that. That's what mm-hmm. I see it. That's that great. was my ending of the relationship. Yeah, I mean... I don't want you to do anything. Yeah. I don't want you to do anything because I don't want to be in the relationship. It's funny. There's a film that's out at the moment called The Banshees of Insurin. I don't know if Mm. you've seen it or not with Colin Mm -hmm. Farrell, but it's about this exact subject of a man who just one day after decades says, yeah, I just don't want to be your friend anymore. And it, it's the chaos that ensues from that mm. that I think is a, it's it's well worth a watch and very funny and mostly about how men can't communicate their feelings and boundaries. But sometimes why do we, I wonder why we think people have to be in a relationship with us. It's that funny, is isn't it? It is yeah. funny. Like there's such a huge template for ending a relationship of 25 years when you have five children together, but there's no template. And I think that's what the film's kind of exploring is like, it's weirdly more traumatic for someone to say, I don't want to be your friends because they're not rejecting you on a <laughs> genital isn't the right word, but it's the only mm-hmm. word I have right now. It's like, they're not saying I don't want to have sex with you because I want to have sex with other people or like I'm bored of the sex that we're having, like, or I'm not romantically fulfilled anymore. Being rejected as a friend is such a like fundamentally personal thing where it's like I'm not stopping you from having other friends in a relationship it's slightly more constrictive you know if it's Mm -hmm. not polyamory Mm -hmm. where it's like there aren't really rules you can go and have a hundred friends so why cut me off it feels like such a massacre of our I guess self-esteem I think I don't know like I, I I cut friends off you know I do a kind of cull every four years <laughs> because I keep changing so much. I mm-hmm. said to a friend a few years ago that, listen, I think that we've become very different people to the point where if I met the person that you are now as the person that I am now, I wouldn't ask you for your number at a party. Mm. And maybe that was very harsh, maybe too harsh, but at least it was really fucking clear. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really mm-hmm. leave space for more questions. It just said, I've mm-hmm. changed. And so we don't suit each other anymore the way that we did. And I'm glad for the time that we had, but mm-hmm. now it's okay to move on, but you're just not allowed to move on when it's a friend. You are allowed and no, you are I know. the person I know. giving yourself permission. I think the challenge is we're going to this other person to release us. Can you release me from this relationship? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, they don't have to release you because guess what? You're not in prison. <laughs> yeah. Just, in a relationship. And when you don't want to be in one anymore, you can say, Hey, this is no longer working for me. You know, it's, 
it's hard. You know, I think about all of these processes of quitting, like you said, like there's a divorce, there's like, you know, this process when you leave a job, like it is Mm -hmm. hard to think about what that process is when you leave a relationship. Many of us don't have the tools. We're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so uncomfortable. Do I just ghost this person? Like, you know, can you ghost your sibling? Can you can you ghost your mom? I mean, it's it, it does call for, you know, like you mentioned, like this series of trying to set boundaries and getting to this very clear point of, hey, everyone, I try and I'm not trying anymore. Good day. You know, not that not that clearly. But, you know, there are these different levels of what we try to do in relationships to make them healthy before we get to the point of ending relationships. And sometimes that stuff is not noticed. People Mm -hmm. think, oh my gosh, they just stopped talking to me. Well, actually I've set like 72 boundaries. You've listened to zero. So I wouldn't necessarily call that this person ghosted me or just stopped talking to me. You're very clear about what the issues are because I've mentioned them to you and you don't want to do any of those things. You want me to ignore it. And so when that is a, That is the situation in many of our relationships, even friendships. You mentioned this thing about, you know, hey, you're always late. This person is like, oh, okay, not listening, right? So if you decide, I've told this person what my issue is and they don't want to listen, how do you end that relationship? Hey, you know, um, I don't think we're in the same space in terms of what we think a healthy relationship is. I no longer want to be in this relationship. Man, thank you so much. You've been so clear and so concise and so helpful. And I think one of the things that I always hope for most with these types of episodes in particular of the podcast is that we can hand over, that my guests really can hand over like tangible, uh, accessible advice for others so that they kind of are handed the template and you have just given me template upon template upon template. I thank you so much. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again, however that may be. And I wish you so much luck with continuing to spread this important work. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWeigh. Lastly, over at iWeigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWeighPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. Hi, Jamila. This is Kay calling in. Um, I just want to say that I weigh my recovery from a cocaine addiction. It's been nearly 10 years in November, which is exciting. I weigh that I'm an artist, an activist, and a cat mom. I weigh that my boyfriend and I have a healthy relationship and that he supports me. And I weigh 
my anxiety, which I'm feeling right now because I'm nervous to do this at all, but I'm so excited anyway, and away my depression and finally getting help for both. Thanks. Be well. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.